Blog Talk Radio. on though, um, I guess tying both together first, this idea of sense making, right, during the time of uncertainty, right? I think Kai, that's what you were really talking about. Um, but in addition to that, right, it's, it's this idea of what we were already experiencing pre-pandemic, now just heightened times 10, but not only that, all of these inequities were already existing. Now it became almost impossible to turn a blind eye to it because a lot of the inequities, right, that were already in play, like I said, were now coming to the to, to the limelight. And so uh, I think it was one of those things where it people couldn't not talk about it anymore, right? It's like, no, we have to address it because even prior to, I can sit here and list the number of examples of structural racism, right, in schools, and that's past curriculum, right? Whether we're talking about pedagogy, whether we're talking about tracking, whether we're talking about resources, we could go down the line, right? All of these things were already in play. So now it was just heightened. Now the digital, right, the, 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 even the, the fact that we live in a, a, a data privileged era Right. The fact that not all of our kids have access to Internet, not all of our kids have access to a computer. Now we're talking about phase one of the process, because I think one of the things we got to touch on is the fact that when we're talking about effective leadership, that's inevitably going to change throughout the process because there's multiple phases in that process. And the first of that was just making sure that our basic needs are met. Mm -hmm. The inequity. Right. Our kids didn't have access to Internet. I have to think about the fact that my kids don't have access to data 100% of the time. They're, that data is limited, right? And so that's a privilege that our kids don't have. That was just phase one. Phase two, now we have to shift to remote, right? That's a challenge in, in and of itself, right? And, and we have first-year teachers, right, that never even taught. You know what I'm saying? So where do you even start with that? Um, and so that's phase two. But then even past that, it's like, okay, you've got that in play. You've got a functioning system, right? It's working. But is it legit? Are our kids demonstrating that they're learning? Yeah, we're doing a thing. We're following the thing. We're, we're addressing disrupted learning. It's not unfinished. It's disrupted, right? We're addressing that. We're also, we're, we're making sure that we're bridging the gap and we're also targeting grade level standards, right? There's two pieces to that, addressing the disrupted learning while still making sure, right, that we're not lowering the bar for kids. 
right? And so there's that piece. But then there's another phase, and we can keep going. And every single phase that requires a different type of leader, right? And so what that really lends itself to is adaptability, flexibility, right? Making sense, sense-making, joint, I should say, joint sense-making, mm-hmm. right? In a time of uncertainty, which is very difficult to do. And I think the other thing to really touch on is the fact that no one was really prepared, yeah. right? Or trained in crisis leadership. Yeah, yeah. Because that's a thing. There's yeah. frameworks, right, that exist that, or right. play right. about right. crisis leadership. It's just not something that's talked enough about. Yeah. Why? Because we never had a crisis to the scope, mm-hmm. to the scale, yeah. right? Because yeah. we are very well equipped. Everybody, I can, I can say this with certainty about any leader in Philadelphia and in this country, we are very well equipped to handle crises on a small level. We handle it every single day, mm-hmm. 30, 100 times a day, right? But when we're talking about this scale, this scope, it's a whole different ballgame. We were not trained for that. Yeah, true. And so what you just brought up is it talks a lot about how the training mm-hmm. that leaders get, that we, we know that every state has requirements for someone to be a leader. Um, again, going back to what you just said, that who could have anticipated this? Um, and so to that end, I want to hear – um, if you don't mind telling me a little bit, so uh, Sharif, I know you're. So you have you have a lot of responsibility in terms of the being the CEO, um, but also just thinking about how many different um, problems that come at, at that level. Um, what would you say the thing was that surprised you that you were going to have to deal with? So I'd like you you. You knew that it was going to be tough, obviously. And so when they said, hey, we might have to shut down, kids are going to have to go home, but, and then even coming back. But in the middle of all of this, what would you say made you, gave you pause to go, I, this, I didn't think this would happen? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one, I, I just want to uh, kind of double click on the competency. Okay. That, mm-hmm. uh, my three, uh, you know, colleagues brought up, like, the leadership competency, because you can't always train for every situation that's going to arise. Mm-hmm. So you can train for nimble thinking, problem solving, listening skills, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, uh, what actually gave me pause was was opposite of what you might, you know, expect. Mm-hmm. Um, what actually gave me pause was we were moving our teacher apprenticeship program, which is a high school and college students, our Freedom Food Literacy Academy. We train high school and college youth. Uh, to, you know, to kind of reconstruct a, a national black teacher pipeline. And what gave us pause, if we were in person, of course, right? And what gave us pause was, what do we do next? Uh, we were thinking, okay, we'll just have classes, because these high school and college sure. they're teaching first, second, and third graders, but it's in person. It's a classroom. We're coaching them, and then they, you know, uh, major in education or enter the field or whatever. We were thinking about pausing the program. The feedback that we got was, no, don't pause it. We want to have this virtual. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the other feedback that we had been receiving was, you know, this was great. This was like when it was uh, just happening, people were frustrated with mm-hmm. online learning. Sure. People uh, didn't have devices. People were burned out. Like, you know, uh, the response from the black youth was like, nah. I'm interested, and I wouldn't learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. And so that gave me pause because I was, you know, 
me, I was like, yo, we got to show you. know, we can't do this. And, you know, but I, was, I was thinking of someone who was just looking at this massive problem. They were the ones that wanted to lean in and push in and say, well, are y'all still having the, the Freedom School Literacy Academy? Are y'all still having the uh, the program? Is it going to be virtual? And so we held it. And you know what? It went so well that even now when we're in person, we're, we kept the virtual model. Uh, and yeah. so last summer we had 20 states uh, represented in this model, even though we were back in person wow. in, in um, Philly and Camden. And yeah. this summer we'll be in Detroit in person. But we're keeping the virtual model, and that was feedback mm-hmm. from from uh, Black youth who were interested in leading and serving and um, in classroom. Sure, sure. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us, you reach the, reach the uh, Perkins platform. We had a little bit of technical difficulties start out, uh, but we are also on Instagram Live, uh, broadcasting live from the school district of Philadelphia. We have leaders here from schools, uh, the school district, and uh, charter schools. And we're talking about the challenges of leadership um, in COVID and post-COVID. Um, and so thank you so much. Uh, we had uh, Sharif Elmeki um, with us uh, just now. I'm going to pivot just going back to the district level. Um, Brandon Cummings is here with us, and, um, and he is Director of Leadership Development in the school district. Um, question I have is, so... We know that there were going to be challenges. Now, I um, early on in the pandemic, and of course, a lot of this is hindsight um, when you get to reason it out. But looking back, I said, you know, what might have been a better idea than when we were really trying to force and go back to schools in April, late April and May. We got to get back. It was almost like people were desperate to just say we got back before the school year ended, right? And and so I thought, why not use this opportunity? Because it seemed as though, even early on when people were talking about us being out of this in summer, I, I really didn't have the same level of confidence that we were going to be out of this that first summer. Remember, everybody, when it gets warm, oh, we're going to hit the pools, this will be over. It's like, I don't know about that. But But what I thought might have been a better use of time would have been, hey, kids, stay out. Let's train teachers in this virtual model. It would, and, and then we start back up in August, September. But we have to dig deep right now to get people ready. So I want to go to school district. I know you, you are responsible for leadership development. So now that we've been at this for a couple of years, what specifically is being done about not just because I know a lot of it is crisis management in the moment, but now we have to start looking for when we emerge from this, we're going to do something. What is the what? So, you know, I hate to put you on the spot, but but what are you thinking about, um, about getting principals ready for what we don't know yet, right? We don't know. Yeah, that's 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 a great question, and I don't even know if I can you know answer it in this space. But what I can say is that what what was I would say I don't know if I want to use the word blessing, but what was the fortunate part about this the global pandemic about the circumstances that in some cases it really caused us to pause for a second and to just really take take stock of what we're doing and where we need to be and how we're going to get there, right? Um, in spite of what's going on and 
once this is all beyond us or past us, how are we going to get to where we need to be outside of that, right? And so I think, you know, what we have done, you know, thank God we, we've rolled out our, like, coaching program at the district level, and that has really been a great tool to kind of, like, have our leaders really think about once we're beyond this crisis or once we have, like, our footing as it relates to this crisis, what are we going to do next? What's the plan that we're going to do next? And what the district has done, what we've done as a district is we're starting to really listen to our principals um, and really ask Novel them. Novel idea, right? right? Exactly, right? Like, who thought that? That would be a great idea, right? Um, we're starting to really listen to our principals and get their input as to what what do we need to do next once we, once we get a footing. Not saying that the pandemic is going to be over. We hope that it will be. But in the event that it's not, um, how are we going to keep this? Um, how are we going to keep the plane flying and how are we going to make sure that, that we're meeting our students where they are um, and that we're also meeting our adults who are in front of the students um, where they are. And, you know, we haven't even, we've, we talked about preparing our leaders and getting them ready um, for the next phase, if you will. But part of that work too is just providing them a space to talk and to like, and to just be humans, right? And we don't do that, right? And I, I remember having a conversation recently with leaders just around, hey, Stop trying to put uh, content in front of them. Let's just hold space for them um, and allow them to, to talk because many of our leaders, as we all are, we are losing staff due to, like, retention or, you know, exiting the, exiting the uh, teaching space um, and just finding other things to do. And, and leaders don't, just don't have a space to be human beings for us. We want to get to business as usual and see them as, as principles and not as beings as humans with real feelings who have experienced a lot and who themselves need to figure out, take a breath themselves. Um, and so I think that's where we are right now. Um, yes, we want to forecast and say they're going to need this in August or in September, but will they need that? You know, is that, is that really the right move? How about this? How about we just ask them what they think they'll need, but better yet, just hold space for them. Yeah. And maybe something organically will come out of that yeah. space. Or, so, so what you you talk about listening to what they have to say, but, you know, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking about, you know, the truth is they don't necessarily know mm -hmm. um, what they're going to need. Um, and so I want to shift, hold it to you. Um, when, when you, I guess, what did you rely on as your, I guess your go-to, skill or competency, what did you have to rely on um, to get through this time? And the reason I'm asking that question, because, you know, I, I hear a lot of people talking about, and I don't know where this term came from, soft skills, but, you know, they, they talk about you have to rely on soft skills, whatever that means, but what skills did you rely on to get through this? Because I'm also hearing people say, what I think leaders need, they also need a great deal of empathy and compassion yes. going forward. Now, they're not talking to politicians because just, the, just two days ago, I was in Chattanooga. And what I know is on a lot of people's minds in a lot of the places I'm going is they're back to talking about test scores. And I'm so confused. I'm so confused about it. But anyway, before we get there... So tell me what what is it that you that you relied on, and is that the same thing you think you're going to have to rely on going forward um, as a as a competency? Um, I would say always, and what I did rely on is is transparency, um, authenticity, um, especially when it came to clear and effective communication. 
externally and internally. Um, I think the clear communication is what um, rooted in transparency, right? Because there's so much happening all the time, um, but also using discernment with how much to share, when to share it. Um, and so I think for me, I wanna just, I guess, focus my, my, my response on authenticity. Um, I think it's important to show up as your authentic self, um, but also, like you said, the, the compassion, um, especially now more than ever. I'm, and no plug, but I'm um, one of the reasons why I started the wellness program uh, that I run currently. It was initially started selfishly for myself as an educator who was overworked, right, but also selfless. Um, most people that are in this space that do this work are selfless and oftentimes forget about themselves, right? It's easy to forget about yourself when you're serving black and brown kids, right, where you feel like oftentimes you want to give them the world because you know they've been shortchanged in more ways than you can count, right? And you want to be that mother figure for them, but you realize that in order to do that, you have to make sure that you're being intentional about pouring into yourself so you can show up as your best self. So I, I, I knew, right, that I wasn't doing that. Um, and so I couldn't not show up to my own fitness class. And so I put that in place because I'm like, all right, so if this is in place, right, like regardless of what I have going on, I have to show up for my girls, for my ladies, and the thing where I show up for my kids. Because, again, it's weird, right? Educators sometimes, like, we'll show up for our babies, our kids, but we won't show up for ourselves. We have to show up for ourselves, right, because we're human, and we have feelings too. And if we're not doing that, if we're not being intentional about that, that will inevitably impact our work. But when it comes to, to – partnering with people, I think what was the trickiest is is balancing accountability with compassion, balancing accountability with the, the understanding that this is a human who's also experiencing this pandemic, who also may have been impacted in ways that I could never tell by the way that they look, right, and the way that they're showing up. So that discernment is key, but also, again, rooted, it's like a authenticity uh, with the compassion, with the discernment. So it, it's a lot. Yeah. So lot. Kai, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. And I'm just thinking about Kai, you, before we, we went live, you were talking about that you had some kids that they, you know, they're just now showing up um, and haven't been in school before. Um, yeah. How, how do you manage that? I think Sharif, your your grade levels, you you go, you have little ones too, right? Or little ones in high school. Yeah. So yeah. So you know, over the last couple of years, there are kids that didn't have school and weren't oriented to school, right? So I'd like to hear from both of you about what that. So how again, thinking about it in leadership, uh, how do you prepare for that for as a leader? Man, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the answer is other than what everybody just said. You know, we have to figure out a way to do all those things. But to your point, you know, the, and, and if you are on social media, you see the, the memes going around with if your child in second grade, their last normal year was right. 2019, you know, and guess what? 2019, second graders aren't in school or they were in kindergarten. So we think about test scores and you know, the academic side of this and forget that schools not only are teaching our children how to, you know, make it in life in, in terms of their competence they need to achieve, but they're learning how to be human beings. They're learning how to be citizens in our world. The development that takes place in a kindergarten classroom, I mean, I always give my hats off to kindergarten teachers because <laughs> you're coming in 
I mean, how do I tie my shoe? You know, you're learning everything about life and what society is like, you know, with your kindergarten and first grade teacher. I remember when we started in September, that was the first, September 27, 2021, was our first full day back in the building since March 2020. So I have kindergarten and first graders who've never been in a school building before in their life. And I remember one little boy came up to me running out the bathroom. I said, what's the matter? What's the matter? He said, what's that thing? What was that? And I'm like, what, what is he talking about? You know, and he, you know, open the door and he, that thing right there. What, what is it? You know, and he's making his noise. It was a urinal. Mm-hmm. He'd never seen a urinal before. And when the other kids flushed it, it you know, made all this noise. And he ran out of there freaking yeah, out, sure. you know. Yeah. And so thinking about all of those lessons that were missed yeah. and mm-hmm. just developed, yeah. right? How to be a little person. Mm-hmm. And now they are little people in second grade and first grade who've never been around 20 or 30 other little people. Right. And trust me, they're raising the roof right now, yeah. right? Yeah. They're like, hey, this, <laughs> this is cool, right? Because they've only been with their right. families, right. right? And then, a, a, you know, a seventh grader, a sixth grader, you know, the last time they were getting that foundation and structure from an educational standpoint, because families and schools work together, right? Parents ask us all the time, you know, reinforce what I'm doing at home, right? And we're saying, reinforce what we're doing at school. You know, we're trying to do And for the last two years, we couldn't do that. So you got a sixth grader or seventh grader that's coming in that just missed a year or two of that connection between families and schools, mm-hmm. right? And so that has been wild, you know? And, and, and so, again, I could piggyback off of everybody and say that, you, you got it. The leaders had to take care of themselves, right? And I've heard the stats about teachers leaving. I haven't heard the stats about leaders leaving. And I don't know what they are, so I won't, I won't speculate. But from the leaders that I know, no one that I know is thinking of leaving anytime soon. Okay. But I hear about teachers leaving tomorrow, right? And, I, and I've seen them, right? I mean, staff, I've never in my 20 career years career doing this, I literally have been hiring Every single day for the last year and a half, I've been working on this cycle where that hasn't been a thing necessarily in the school that I've been a a part of because people wanted to be a part of it. But they're leaving for reasons that aren't necessarily associated with the school. It's more life. It's it's like, whoa, you know, or it's it's being selfish, which they should, right, saying, hey, I got a five-year-old at home. Yeah. That needs me, so I'm not, I can't pour all this into someone else's five-year-old right. when I have a five-year-old at home that their school's closed. So I'm sorry, but I got to leave, you know. And, and so I think for us, and I'm curious. I don't know if you know, Dr. Perkins, what the stats are. You know, how many leaders have left or are planning to leave, but I haven't heard that much on that standpoint compared to. I think NPR put out an article yesterday or the day before, you know, the millions of teach 4.3 million teachers who have left in the last six months. And, and, and we were already short pre-pandemic, right. which right. nobody's right. talking about, right. right? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely – I know some, some leaders who are leaving. You know, Dr. Hyde you know, uh, left, sure. Anna Jackson left. Uh, I forget the number of superintendents, large cities, uh, for a variety of different sure. Right, but uh, but also school leaders, school-based leaders. Like mm-hmm. at least in my circle, significant number of them are yeah. you know uh, just finding other you know other things they right. they needed to uh, you know. I, I think one of the things that makes me think of that you also uh, spoke about as far as like what needs to happen, or so particularly with the younger uh, folks, 
I think about, you know, this home and school relationship, um, you know, we talk about on, on uh, a lot and on our podcast, this idea of like school is the home is the first school, mm-hmm. right? And it reverted back to that during the pandemic. Um, and just suppose if we made some of this just kind of universal design, not just in response to the pandemic, yeah, but yeah. suppose when, when, you know, let's take back to school, Suppose it was less about here's our policy as a school that you need to do it here to and listen to. Suppose it was, well, how does your child best learn? Mm-hmm. What makes them feel most valued? You know, what? How can we center their, um, you know, their needs? What's the best way to communicate with? Them? Suppose it was more of a listening session mm-hmm. and back to school nights and corporate conferences, just any engagement with families, the students, as well as the you know, uh, whatever age that student is, we, we flipped it a little bit and made that part of the universal design. I think not only is that crucial now, but that they've actually been at home, and many parents, particularly for the younger children, were classroom assistants, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, in a lot of different ways. And then, as you said, like rushing back to, you know, the default system, right? Suppose that door was just shut. Suppose yeah. we didn't figure out a way, like, how do we make this the consistent part? Um, we're like, no, drop them off, and we got this weird of professionals. So, like, they're actually the experts of that, of that child. They yeah. were right. raised. That's right. Um, and exactly. supposedly centered that, because I think that is part of the, uh, the disconnect mm-hmm. between institutions. They really think, you know, whether they their rhetoric says something else, that they think all the learning happens within buildings. Mm-hmm. That's actually the minimal amount of learning. Yeah. I know when I was a young child, my community, my parents, my uh, even the educators, they looked at it like, no, school is part of your learning ecosystem. It ain't the ecosystem. Right. It's, right. it's a part, part of, of it. The, the right. learning ecosystem. Sure, sure. Where now, a lot of times, parents are treated as if, no, this is it. Right. You know, and matter of fact, they even say sometimes, we're actually intervening for right. the life that you give your child. Mm-hmm. You know, and not realize, you know, they'll say, like, oh, the kids are broken and they come here and we heal them. Right. No, it's actually usually the opposite. Those kids come whole. They yeah. come with a positive racial identity yeah. and sense of self-worth. And that gets undermined if families yeah. are trying to right. to uh, mitigate or, you know, at, on the car rides home and at the dinner table. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, and there, there's so many, you know, just thinking about what you said um, or, or asked Kai about, the numbers of people that are leaving, um, leaders and teachers, you know, they, they're talking about it. I think we, we probably don't know right offhand if we're talking about a percentage, but there's a mass exodus of people that are doing early retirement. Um, that's happening a lot. Um, but, um, but from teachers and, and uh, the leadership perspective, um, you know, one one positive thing I'll say, you know, the program that I direct at Columbia, um, we what I'm seeing is even in the middle of all of this, there's still people that are coming back to be trained to be leaders. And it's just it's amazing to me. And I know, Sharif, you you actually have a kind of a recruitment um, initiative, I know, getting black educators. Um, what are you seeing and on that end? Because I know a lot of people that may be listening are aspiring leaders and are going to be charged with the task of finding teachers. So how, what, are you, what are you finding in, in your uh, endeavor to even get 
you know, African American teachers to to enter the foray. Yeah, I mean, I would say last last summer uh, we had 99 apprentices, almost 100 black youth. Just last summer. summer. Just last summer. Wow. That's not even like during the day, during the year program. Yeah. Last summer for six weeks, 100 apprentices said, "Oh, I'm signing up. I'm interested in, in, yeah. in leading the classroom." Okay. Right. And so that I think that's significant. You know, oh, and it, it states were represented and, and so on and so forth, and we're growing this year. I would say, you know, part of the, you know, the messaging and the conversation is one that, you know, teaching is a form of activism and we can say what we want, but, you know, the youth activism today is something that can't be ignored. Um, but if we describe teaching, one, many of them may not have experienced education with their school leaders and teacher leaders, uh, you know, approaching it as if it was like, you know, education for liberation or a right, right, right. understanding that, you know, uh, racial justice and educational justice are inextricably linked. Yes. Right. If you, if they, people came with that type of mindset and a healthy mindset about black children and the communities that love them, um, then that, that they'll have a different experience. But what seems to resonate with the youth is even if you, if you had a great ed- education, you know, educator, teachers, whatever, you know, uh, pay it forward, you know, mm-hmm. um, but if you didn't, consider becoming the teacher you wish you had and knew you needed. Mm-hmm. That seems to resonate with you, even if they say, like, I didn't have the best experience sure. and I didn't look at myself like that. But when we talk about the activism it is and the leadership that teaching actually is and the civic leadership, too, right? Yeah. It's just not a teacher. A dope teacher isn't just a leader within that school building. A dope teacher is just a leader, period, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. so even the idea of teacher leader is a little bit of a redundant phrase, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so that's how we've been just engaging this idea of, like, what does it mean to lead a classroom? What does it mean to lean in an activism um, and really fight for the racial and educational justice that not only our children deserve, but we all deserve if we want a future, right? So we all deserve, um, you know, educational justice because it, it, it means something um, pretty substantially um, in society at, at large. So. Right. That that has been um that has been our approach and that's been you know resonating with uh resonating with uh, the youth that we've been um, counting them. I mean that's they they give me hope. Yeah. I mean seeing some of the youth we had our one year anniversary for our building a black educator pipeline show. We try to make sure that we elevate youth voices. Um, a campaign that they came up with a couple of years ago um, that we just relaunched today, as a matter of fact. Uh, hashtag We Need Black Teachers. Okay. This is from the youth. This is from their focus group, okay. their leadership, them serving as servant leader apprentices. They said, we need black teachers, and we want it plain, specific. They're like, but don't tell us what to do. Tell us the impact of black educators. Tell us how we can approach it, how we can um, enter into the field. But don't tell us that, oh, you have to be there. Like, don't be this on the ground. Give us the data. Give us the impact. Tell us the numbers. Tell us the opportunities to engage in that. And we'll make that decision, but that will be one of the things that we'll be interested in. And and they were right. And so we listened to them, and we just helped amplify their campaign. <laughs> Hashtag We Need Black Teachers. And you put that in. There are people all over uh, the country who are sharing their experiences with black teachers or as a black teacher. Um, and it's been pretty powerful over the past. Uh, you know, uh, they launched it in September this uh, in 21, and it was kind of a, a relaunch today. But it was, it's been amazing to watch youth say, oh, it's pretty simple. They, you know, and I thought they wanted something gimmicky. Because I'm like, no, they got a smoke and this and that. They're like, no, nah, keep it simple. They're like, keep it simple. 
this is what we're saving, but we need black teachers. I was like, all right, all right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So listen, we got about a minute and a half. This was originally intended. It was supposed to be thirty-minute conversation. We already had forty-five minutes, and and so we we I know I told you it goes really fast, and um so um I took the the uh, the contingency fifteen minutes, uh, but we got a minute and a half. Uh, we have uh, a minute and a half left, ninety seconds left. Um, what do you say to? And I just want to go down. Whoever wants to say. Um, to the aspiring, brand new, all of you are veteran leaders, what do you say to them about uh, the future? What do we do? I would say, like you were saying, too, uh, also according to yourself, take care of yourself so you can be there for others and support others. You have to take care of yourself first. I would say interrogate everything, question everything, um, question the business as usual, question the, we've been doing this for 10 years, so we're going to continue to do this for 10 years because it's easy to do. Yep. So I would just say, and, and live in a constant space of interrogation. I hope I don't steal your thunder, <laughs> but just to piggyback on what this was said, we got to listen to the babies. We, we have to bring in the community. Schools have to be community schools, and we got to use this time right now to bring in those families, bring in their voice, amplify them, and, and help them in their journey. Yeah, I would say um, I, I agree with everything that was said. And uh, study Ella Baker. Study her leadership model, her role, the idea of servant leadership. But don't do it just from this textbook example. Look at what Ella Baker did and try to uh, replicate that. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. Thank you all so much. Until next time, go well, stay well. Thank you. <laughs>